0: Welcome to a brand new podcast from Galbraith. We call it Talking Natural Capital, and I am very excited to get started. Um, my name is Matt Finlay, and I'm the Digital Marketing Coordinator here at Galbraith, and I'm delighted to welcome the firm's natural capital leader, uh, Dr. Eleanor Harris. Um, Eleanor, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Great to be here. I I only just came into the firm recently. You've been here a little bit longer, me. But it's been something that you've been keen to to get out, isn't it? And um, going forward, this is something that we're looking to do on more uh, a regular basis, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and even before I started at Galbraith, I was thinking there's um, there's a bit of a gap in the podcast market for um, for all things land and natural capital and um, the emerging green economy and. Um, yeah, it's wonderful to have the chance to uh, to start to talk about it and uh, get a word out there. Talking about natural capital is something I'm quite good at doing.
0: From your own point of view, coming in as the natural capital leader, that it's something that you're really keen to get kind of get out a little bit more because it is um, it, just in terms of educating people within the firm, out with the firm, just just in general, especially society kind of starts to kind of really adapt, I suppose to and the kind of the changes that that, that the sales with the natural capital can do.
1: Yeah, I suppose I've, I've always been interested in environmental issues and yeah, as you say we can talk a bit more about me and where I've come from but also I'm, um, I'm a very creative person and, and natural capital is um, it's sort of enabling me to put those two together because rather than, rather than just watching environmental um, changes unfold, it's actually um, it's about being at, at the edge of how do we respond to them, how do we shape what We're doing how do, we, um, how do we create the kind of world we want to live in? Um, which for me is uh, exactly where I want to be. So, uh, and in Galbraith, there's that um, desire and demand for that for that innovation and, and creativity. Yeah. So, it's a very exciting time,
0: you know. We're, we're... We're very much at the start, I think. It, it has to be said of of the podcast world. So we are, um, we're taking it uh, podcast by podcast. But we we do hope as well to get on some, some guests potentially. You know, you know a lot of people um, in this in this industry and um, and really kind of having those key discussions. And, but in a in light hearted sense um, on on the podcast format.
1: Yes, it's um it's new for both of us. I think, uh, but I think the the. When I listen to podcasts what I want is a sense of almost a sense of being in a pub with some really interesting people and having a, a good time and a relaxed chat but talking about stuff that's really important and interesting and having my mind opened um, and and I've been um, almost through my through my career I've been collecting interesting people and and this is a real opportunity I think to bring them back and um, have those conversations in a, in a forum where we can invite everyone in, and hopefully, there'll be lots of people listening and thinking they sound like good people. I want to be in that pub.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we are obviously recording on Zoom today. However, if you do fancy going for a, for a pint and, a, and a, a chat with all these interesting people, I'm sure it can be arranged at, at some point down the line. Yes. <laughs> We'll look to kind of just chat a little bit about yourself, Um, Eleanor. First off, um, a little bit about your journey. How did you get to Galbraith?
1: Um, Well, I suppose chiefly by being uh, that funny beast and environmentalist. What is that? And it's since, as long as I can remember, I remember about the age of seven, um, um, creating a little... um, Shop in my bedroom and selling little things that I'd made for uh, in aid of WWF, and watching David Attenborough programs and and vowing I was going to save the rainforest, and I really wasn't sure. You know, how do you go about that at the age of seven? Um, and I guess I felt that that was perhaps a bit childish and naive. And growing up, um, the uh, climate change was an emerging issue and. Um, biodiversity decline, Um, and I'm not really, I'm not, I'm I'm interested in science, and I I, I love science, but I'm not of a scientific mind, so I wasn't going to go in that direction. Um, How do you create a career in in being an environmentalist? I did quite a lot of campaigning, uh, worked with um, Scottish Environment Link, and with the churches, uh, Scottish churches, doing environmental awareness, um, and done quite a lot of stuff within Edinburgh, which is, uh, where I'm from, my hometown, and um, Edinburgh, um, for example, Edinburgh Living Landscape, which is a big coalition of organisations. But campaigning is, is a bit of a thankless task. You're always telling other people to do something. Um, as I say, it didn't feel very creative. Um, you're always having to complain about stuff. Um, and so I went off in different directions, and um, history is my other... Um, uh, well, my... my um what I'm trained in, I'm a historian and that um, interest in trying to understand the world and how the world works um, how to understand evidence, how to weigh up where the truth is who's, who's saying what for what reason in this amazingly complicated world we live in, where have we all come from where are we all going, how have we shaped societies and landscapes and I kind of disappeared off from the environmental scene to be a historian but it was always there and kind of tugging at me and um, uh, about five years ago, um, I, um, I started a job in uh, COMFOR, the Confederation of Forest Industries, as policy researcher, and that was, that was a bit of a break for me because it, it let me bring together my two skills of, of research and analysis uh, from the history um, and interest in environmental matters where I'd kind of gathered Uh, considerable knowledge and was wondering what to do with it, and um, so got stuck into the world of forestry, sustainable forestry, something I'm still hugely interested in, Um, and Confor is a wonderful place to to learn about the rural industries in the UK. Um, There's a lot of work on integrated land use and integrating forestry onto farms, So interested in farming as well, Um, and then Galbraith advertised for this role of natural capital leader. What does a natural capital leader look like? It's not a subject that you do at university. Um, I've got this quite strange collection of, um, of, of qualifications and experience, but actually it, it was exactly what was, was needed. And, um, and with my, my kind of creative side um, as well, and, and in my spare time I illustrate things and I sing in a choir and I... I write stories, um, so I've got that um, desire to kind of create things, um, and I'm pretty gregarious. I like working with people, um, so it was, it was quite a, a winning combination, perhaps not quite what Galbraith imagined when they designed the role, but I don't think they knew quite what they were looking for, and, uh, here I am.
0: Why do you think that Galbraith kind of were looking at recruiting it for natural capital and carbon leader?
1: To me, it's obvious we should be looking at natural capital. I'm an environmentalist. Um, but for, um, for firms like Galbraith, it's, it's new territory and for their clients. And um, it's, I think it's really a response to some pretty huge shifts that are going on, both in policy and in markets, um, which are really starting to get everyone sitting up and noticing. And, and this is, uh, the world is starting to change. Um, so in, in policy, we're seeing the um, end of Common Agricultural Policy. We're seeing big subsidy changes in England. Very likely, a similar will happen in Scotland. We're also seeing um, the whole new carbon um, opportunities opening up, which is um, it's it's a market, but it's a policy-driven market with carbon codes um, and um, government funding for um, for decarbonisation projects. Um, and we're also seeing in, within the market itself the market starting to drive much of that um, supermarkets starting to demand net zero food and um, uh, farming but also wider economy being challenged on, on biodiversity decline and consumers starting to want um, products that they know have, have been produced in ways that, that make the world a better place and, and they're not extracting from it and depleting it so from all sides we've got natural capital is kind of appearing, um, carbon and biodiversity and, and other things like flood prevention and uh, the quality of life um, that we get from our landscape. So it's everywhere it's, it's, and it's immensely complicated. Um, and they, I think um, my role as I see it is um, certainly not doing natural capital but um, kind of navigating, navigating natural capital. Um, starting to pull some of these threads together, in, into into projects.
0: We're recording not long after uh, COP twenty six. Obviously, all the attention, the whole world is looking on at the eyes of Glasgow. Uh, and do you think that with Galbraith, with yourself being there, you know, so you you're in getting the word out about what you're doing with Galbraith, especially just networking with people. Is is that something that is, is you're finding is really beneficial to the fact that Galbraith could become a leader in certainly in Scotland and in, in Northern England? Uh, around natural capital and kind of environmental issues is as, as we as the whole world now starts to properly realise, look, we need to do something about about climate change, about everything that you know that's been discussed in the last two weeks in Glasgow?
1: I hope so, yeah. I think um I'd, I'd like definitely my ambition is for Galbraith to be a leader. Um and I think it's got um the the people that I've I've come in to work with um it's been Hugely refreshing to be um, after after years of saying this is important and nobody very interested or saying this is important. People people are interested, but they've got no resources. In Galbraith, we've got that range of expertise and we've got that breadth of the client base and the clients are also... Um, this is another reason we've been interested is our clients are ahead of us. They're, they're innovating, they're um, demanding it, they're um, looking to try things out. And so we've got a huge opportunity um, through both through the, the networks I bring but also the ones that I find here to bring those together um, and there are some great divides that I'm, I'm really keen to bridge that I think are going to be absolutely crucial um, to, to tackling this one is the kind of great divide between the environmental movement and, um, and the, the commercial sector business. Um, there's a lot of scepticism and, and distrust on both sides, and they uh, there's a lot of working in separate silos. Um, now I've worked in both, and, and people are very much the same in both. They're, um, we're all human beings, and we're all desperate to tackle um, climate change and biodiversity decline, and the, we all live on the same planet. We need the same things. Um, and actually starting to bring those two together um, using the, that great knowledge that, um, that environmentalists have got, and um, that um, also that credibility in those local networks, in local communities, but then the resources um, in terms of land and finance um, and, and people that the commercial sector have got. I think that's something to bring together.
0: What well, are some of the, the other projects that you've been working on with the Culpray?
1: There's probably been three, um, three key things that all relate very closely together. Um, one of the first, very first things that um, everyone was clamouring for when I arrived was to work out how to um, how to restore peatland. And this is peatland um, is has been coming very rapidly up the policy agenda. And I've been seeing this for a lot. I was at the launch of the peatland code in 2015, which was one of my first natural capital um, big gatherings at the World Forum on Natural Capital, and. Um, our understanding of how important protecting peat is in in the context of um, the UK's and particularly Scotland's uh, carbon emissions has has really increased. So that's now reflected in policy. We've got um, strong um, grant funding for peatland restoration and there's also the peatland code which enables you to register um, carbon credits for restoring peatland and to actually trade those um, either use them for offsetting your own carbon or for trading in the market. So anyone who's got peatland is very keen to um, to take advantage of this and it's um, certainly something they should be taking advantage of because um, this is a bit of an opportunity and um, if you're in, in some years time if your peatland is not restored then you're actually sitting on your, this carbon loss that could be a big a big liability. So. I've been bringing together the forestry team, who are obviously already experienced in woodland carbon, which we've been doing for some years, um, and the the rural team who are looking after these estates with peatland. Um, And we've been trying to um, navigate the rather complicated um, uh, structure of, on the one hand, the the government grants, um, on the other hand, the, um, the peatland code, which is a kind of market mechanism and different groups of people um, involved in these in slightly different standards um, and it's all because it's all new ev- almost every peatland project has some unexpected thing that wasn't um, you know isn't anticipated in the guidelines so there's a lot of um, um, experimentation or, or development as we go along. The second big thing has been developing a natural capital assessment, which again is something we've been asked for um, uh There are lots, lots of they're a bit of a a fashionable thing. So the initial driver was our clients are looking for a natural capital assessment. If we can't provide one, um, then they may look elsewhere. So let's find one. Um, And there are lots around, and there's um, there's not there's there's a slowly growing standard of what they should really look like. Um, Although it's very much. in development so each one is is kind of trying to do something new and we looked at we looked at buying one in or finding someone else to make one um, there are lots around but actually we decided to do it in-house and we were really fortunate that we've got um, a very strong um, GIS team um, and Strath who's the head of our GIS essentially knew knew the methodology knew how to do this um, and we've worked closely together to uh, to create a natural capital assessment that's GIS-based, that can um, pull all the all the all the data that's available on the site and start to crunch it and start to tell you about your carbon and tell you about your biodiversity networks um, and tell you about provisioning, which is um, something I'm very keen on. That's what you might call old-fashioned production, um, but start to look at provisioning in the light of a natural capital benefit itself. And coming out of that, the other thing that um, I'm getting, uh, I'm starting to realise is, is what we need to find um, is my current favourite phrase, investable projects. So it's all very well having all this data, um, but if you're trying to run a business uh, or you're trying to keep people employed on your land, then you need a business case. And so getting from that natural capital data, um, whether it's carbon or biodiversity or um, riparian restoration um, to a project that's actually going to to work in practice is going to sustain jobs and, and provide an income work in the current policy environment and with your local stakeholders um, is is the real aim and we've got some um, really interesting clients that were um, who are interested in this that we're working with to, to start to um, to do that and that's where the natural capital theory really starts to become the natural capital economy in practice.
0: In your experiences then, what, what's um, making our natural capital uh, offering any uh, different to, to perhaps others?
1: That product is kind of reflective of what I've found in the Galbraith team and what's really um, attracted me to, to working here. And um, it's been a joy to work here is, there's a lot of creative individuals as um, we're very much not a bunch of faceless agents. You know, we've got we've got um, a, we work very closely together, but um, we've got a lot of um, very interesting, knowledgeable individuals who each bring um, bring very different things, and um, that makes for some uh, really interesting conversations and, and discussions. And, and everyone very much thinks for themselves and um, is very passionate and committed about um, about their own lines of work. And that I think we're, we're putting all that into this um, into this assessment and into the wider natural capital work. Hopefully, we can start to introduce some of these people in future podcasts. And um, I don't want to stay the face of natural capital forever. I want to I want to showcase some of this uh, this team. And I've been doing um, we've been doing various internal things. I've been doing a kind of weekly um, podcast Zoom webinar. Um, and I've been doing I've been working with team days and um, with individuals on projects and already uh, everyone's picking up this ball and running with it. Peatland, the Peatland team are now you know often running without uh, my help at all, um, And but on natural capital just generally people are going and seizing opportunities, talking about them, engaging with their clients and, and also I'm able to delegate external events to people and and say, can you go off and represent Galbraith on natural capital on this, at this event? And that's really getting the, you know, it's not just getting Galbraith out there, it's getting the rural economy out there in the wider uh, world of natural capital, um, which is really valuable. And the place to um, go and have a look at our blog, you know, because our, our blog on the website is, is really starting to have a bit of a natural capital takeover, and it's very much not just my voice, Lots of different members of the team there.
0: Just before we, we kind of wrap things up here, Eleanor, um, in terms of the podcast, what are you looking to achieve with this?
1: What listeners will get is um, is to be at that edge of, um, you know, in the forefront. Um, and that's both the kind of understanding of the, the basic landscape, um, policy, markets, topics like biodiversity and carbon, um, but also... Um, the um, the research and development and maybe most of all I suppose on a podcast the people um, and the the, the 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 range of people from different types of backgrounds who are engaging in this and um, what what people are doing and and maybe how listeners can get involved themselves and um, as I said uh, I was my my final thought from COP last week was that we all have to take a lead. Um, I'm very proud of my title of natural capital leader, but I think it's, it's almost the calling for all of us. We all have to, to lead on this because we've got um, big challenges for the world and um, yeah, we've all, we've all got a role to step up, so a bit of a call to action as well.
0: We're really excited about the expansion into the podcast world uh, with Galbraith and we're looking forward, of course, Eleanor, for you to be on every week. And we'll be chatting all things natural capital and hopefully as well um, some very special guests uh, coming up in the future. Um, Eleanor, first, finally, just um, many thanks for joining me today.
1: Well, Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, I'm really excited to launch our podcast and look forward to see what we get up to going forward.
0: You can find us online uh, uh, on the website, of course, Galbraith Group. Uh, we also are on Facebook and LinkedIn. And you can catch us on Twitter at Galbraith underscore group and as well as Instagram at Galbraith Group. And just finally, Eleanor, uh, once again, thank you very much for joining me. We, um, we look forward to, to having you back on. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you all down the road.
1: Yeah, bye for now.